Hi, friends, and welcome to All Things Relatable, a place where stories are shared. It's hard to put a value on a story because the lasting effects it can have are often priceless. An individual's story has the potential to impact our lives in tremendous ways. My hope for you in joining me today is that this episode resonates with you and that you leave enlightened, ignited, and inspired because it only takes one moment to spark a change and leave an everlasting effect. My next guest, Courtney, is about to make a huge transition in her life and business. Courtney and her husband are packing their bags, leaving the city and heading into the forest to live off the grid. This means that her brick and mortar studio, Loyo Bow Fit, will be closing and will be going completely virtual. Courtney is dedicated to helping women ditch diet culture, find joy in movement and learn how to love their body. Hey girl, welcome to the podcast. I'm so happy to have you here today. Thank you so much for having me. I'm really excited. It's my first time talking in depth about this transition on a podcast. So let's dive in. (laughs) Yay. Okay. We will dive into all the things, but I want to start here. So you didn't always love your body and you struggled with weight and body image. So Mm -hmm. when is your earliest memory of thinking about your body in this negative way? Yeah. I feel like most women it's young. Like I have memories going back to, you know, single digits, elementary school of those moments kind of shift from childhood into becoming aware of your body, whether it's because you start getting hit on inappropriately. I remember like boob size as we were developing became a big thing in grad, uh, sorry, in elementary school. But I think that weight also became a very early I wouldn't say a position that young, but something I was very much aware of, especially because again, like most women from my mother, watching my mother struggle with her weight really made those connections early on is like gaining weight is bad. Being in a bigger body is bad and the desire to be thin in order to be seen as attractive and valuable and worthy became solidified in my brain very early on. And that struggle with body dysmorphia and weight loss. And my relationship with food definitely continued very much into preteens, teens, but I think really became what I have as an obsession with weight loss and what my body looked like in my early adult years, in my early twenties, you know, the time when finding a partner was becoming, you know, at the very forefront of my mind, I was in university changing. I was gaining weight with the freshman 15 in a new way. I had new life stressors and I latched onto this idea that I needed to lose weight. That was further kind of ingrained when I had my first real serious adult relationship, which weight became a central issue to our physical intimacy and our relationship. So that really, as you can imagine, created in my head that in order to be seen as desirable, in order to be, to have a successful relationship, I needed to look a certain way. And so that really has contributed to my desire of wanting to help women because I look back and remember like how painful that was, how much that ate away at my self-esteem, how much that prevented me from showing up, really being fully present in my life and my relationships. And I know now that there's so much more, there's 
so much more to life than worrying about your weight. And that's my passion and mission is to help, help women step out of that shame spiral. And when you were talking about that, oh my gosh, it was like, I got goosebumps all over my entire body Mm -hmm. because I feel like it's so familiar. It's so familiar to so many. I mean, I, I know a lot of women who go through this from such an early age that, Mm -hmm. um, yeah, whatever we are, we see, right. Like our, our parents or from society or TV or magazines, whatever it is. And however we take that in and somehow form this belief that yeah, our, our weight and our appearance and, and all of that is tied to our worth and our worthiness. Mm -hmm. And unless we're there, then there's something missing. So two things like what kind of behaviors maybe did you see from your mom that that led to you thinking this way and and were you like overweight I guess as like a little Mm -hmm. child as you saw some of these things yeah great question so a lot of the behaviors that I see and I think this is again like so common is that there are definitely some women who have experienced moms who outright body shame them, right. Who, who maybe, you know, the, the parents or the, the, um, guardians or the family figures are actually directly commenting on their, I was very lucky in that I didn't have that, but it was watching her put herself down. It was watching her, um, you know, not want to wear certain clothes because she said, you know, I, I need to lose weight before I can wear something like that. It was not wanting to show her body uh, at the beach. It was not wanting to wear sleeves. So it was that internalization. He doesn't feel good enough. What does that mean about me and body? Um, And that's a very common way is that even if you're not directly body shamed, it's, it's, and absorbing that normalization of behaviors, that normalization of like, what is the body ideal, which is why I grew up in the nineties. So like the magazine covers and the weight loss or loss programs and, you know, all those different praising of celebrities who had the, like, you know, Kate Moss, you know, really heroin chic, thin bodies is like that, that what was, what, what was ingrained in me. And what was interesting is that I like growing up, I actually had a very small physique. I was one of those, <laughs> I was one of those that like, I had like super stick thin until puberty. And then I got my hips and then my metabolism changed. Then I started to, you know, thicken out a little bit. Um, but it's where, I always want to say that, you know, when it comes to issues of shame and, and not feeling good in our bodies, like there's no, there's no one that's exempt from this, you know, people in thin bodies struggle, people in larger bodies. And it's really important to have that safe space where we can all talk about the shared similarities that go through when it comes to feeling good in our skin. Oh gosh. I love that. Yeah. It's not, um, everybody deals with it. Right. In whatever way, I think that's a really important point to bring up because it doesn't matter as an outsider looking in on someone who maybe we think like, Oh, they've got this ideal body. They're this, 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 and this. And even those maybe they do compared to what society says or whatever, 
um, that still they have insecurities about, about things. And, um, okay. I know I just said this on a recent podcast that I did, but I just have to say it again, because it is like a professor. I went and did this fitness class in university and the professor said, which totally shifted the way that I thought was, um, a German shepherd cannot be like a toy chihuahua and a toy chihuahua cannot be a German shepherd. And they both can be healthy in their makeup because Uh you know, that there's like the Kate Moss super stick thin. And it's like, Oh my, my, my body will never do that. And then there's like the curvier, um, Marilyn Monroe. And it's like, Oh, my body will not do that either. You know, like there's so many, um, different body types. So it's like, you can be healthy in whatever body type you have, but you can't take a German shepherd and make it a, a toy chihuahua and, and vice versa. So, yeah. And I think it's where, you know, when we talk about diet culture, something that we talk a lot about in my community, but diet culture and this idea of even nutritional and health science, because that's, that's a conversation that, and a question that I get asked, I still want to be healthy. So how can I do that? You know, because there's, there's this such a strong link between health and weight loss or health and weight in general. And it's really important to have a conversation. You know, I'm in a white body. So that also impacts my, with my body and my relationship to body ideals. We have to talk about intersectionality and the fact that, you know, this is also all based on hierarchy of bodies, right? That certain bodies are ignored in the conversation about what a body is desirable and genetics, right? Of like, as you said, certain people, their bodies are genetically predisposed to look and feel a certain way at different sizes. And diet culture tells us that it's an individual here, that it's your fault if your body can't look like a Kate Moss or a Kim Kardashian or a B, right? That that's your fault. That's due to your lack of willpower, your lack of discipline, your sacrifice, your laziness, all these, this, we've created a body ideal that's sexist, that's racist, that's nowadays, especially in 2020, that's based on completely impossible realities when it comes to Photoshop and filters, you know, surgeries that, that for so many of us, we're, we're on this kind of hamster wheel of chasing something that physically never feel good for us. So we have to have conversations like these, where we're challenging those norms and saying, you know, just because we're shown this is the ideal doesn't mean that we have to believe and subscribe to that belief system. We can open it up to recognize that choosing a different standard for ourselves by rejecting that one size fits all model of health and desirability and all those things, not only open up more space for ourselves, but we also often open up a space that's a safer space for a lot of different types of bodies. We open space to have conversations that if I can love my body and accept that health looks different on me, I can accept that when I interact with people who look different than me as well. Mm, So Good. And it's, and it's ever changing that the, the exactly. body. it's like <laughs> one day your body might be the ideal and like next year or next month, it might be like the, the new thing, the lips, the hips, that yeah. the curves to that 
you know, it, it's ever changing. And that's exhausting. Yes. It's exhausting to change your clothes, but don't change <laughs> what your body looks like. Like, no. And even with the trends too, I'm like, do you, I'm like, I can't keep up with the trends. I'm so far behind, but I'm like, do what feels good to Mm -hmm. you because then you can show up as your yourself. So you said you got like the freshman 15 kind of like hit. Is that when, or so you're exposed, like your mother is kind of, um, maybe shaming herself or like modeling these behaviors towards herself. You've kind of seen it growing up, um, came from a year, uh, an early age. And then, so did you start, were there any behaviors that came out of you with like dieting or eating or, or maybe missing out on different things as you kind of grew up or was it more so when you gained a little bit of weight and hit puberty that the the diet culture kind of hit you when, when was some of that happening? Yeah. Great question. Um, I think that many behaviors were there from an early age. Um, you know, some things like celebrating hunger, you know, rewarding myself when I skipped meals, um, like having again, the hierarchy of food and the morality around food of like praising myself. If I ate carrot sticks as my snack, um, so things that existed early on as well as body picking. So this is where, you know, you're looking in a mirror and really, really nitpicking different parts of your body and, you know, creating that shame relationship. Um, so that existed from an early age. However, it was, um, in young adulthood where it became, <laughs> you know, full blown when, especially when I started trying more extreme things. So, um, I did like the lemon cleanse where like, I'm only eating, you know, I'm only drinking lemon water and maple syrup and cayenne pepper for like nine days. I started doing more extreme workout, um, routine all really with the goal of it. What I'll be honest, it was not about getting healthy. It was a hundred percent about losing weight which in my mind, it was like, well, you know, by losing weight, I will feel better and will be healthier. But that wasn't the primary motivation. The primary motive, 100% aesthetic of wanting to look and, and therefore feel a certain way about my body. And like many, and that gets reinforced, right? Of if I, you know, the times when I was successful and was able to lose the weight, I would get the compliments. I would get the validation. I would experience the benefits of thin privilege, right? Of getting more attention from the opposite sex of getting, you know, uh, you know, of people assuming I was healthy of not having my habits questioned or my fitness habits questioned or things like that. I would experience those benefits when I lost weight. And, you know, we know the science is clear. 95% of diets don't work right between, you know, one to five years, you gain back and then some. So I would go through that cycle. I would lose the weight, gain it back, feel like crap, lose the weight again, get the validation. It would just keep going. And every time it failed, I never questioned the system itself. I always just put the blame back on. It was my, I didn't adhere to it strictly enough. I gave into my cravings. I didn't resist temptation. It's my fault. I'm lazy the next one will be the one that works. The next one will be the one that I finally stick to. And it's such a stack and it's a cycle that the diet and fitness industry is dependent on 
to be, to be a billion dollar, a multi-billion industry because you keep buying in and you never question why they don't work. <laughs> wow. Oh my gosh. That vicious cycle that mm-hmm. so many people go through round and round and round and there's so For like many- their whole lives. Yes. And there's so many things that keep coming up. It's like, well, there's the South beach. There's the, um, what's that one now? Noom, that's the big one now. Yeah. It's just, um, once people kind of figure out that it's not maintainable, then something new has to come to, to take the place. So you just went through the ringer over and over again through that. Like when you actually got praised and complimented and maybe felt like aesthetically you were thinner, did you feel like, did that change the way that you felt about your body? Were you like more confident and, um, like, I don't know, just living life at that point, or, or was it kind of like a, a constant thing that was like taking over your mind? Yeah. Great question. Um, and it's where a lot of birth of Yobo and me doing more research into the body positive movement and understanding what an anti-diet approach looks because in my mid twenties, after, um, this toxic relationship where my partner blamed my weight, um, for all the things that were wrong, I lost all of it. And I basically was able to obtain the perfect physique. I had a flat stomach. I was like washed all the time. And I even at the time had a YouTube channel and I, and I, like many people felt morally superior because I'd done it. I figured out a way and I kept it off for about two to three years. Um, and during that time, it's really interesting for one. Absolutely. I enjoyed the benefits of thin privilege. I loved being able to shop at straight size clothing stores to walk in and have things just look better on my body and be meant for my body. However, I absolutely did not feel better. I felt validated. I felt more accepted. I felt more, again, this like moral superiority for, for being able to obtain a thin body, but the weight loss obsession shifted from now a constant fear of keeping the weight. And I still very much, my self-worth was 100% tied to what I was able to do with my body. And that was also reinforced. And I'm sure many people have also experienced like the backhanded compliments that you're getting when you lose weight. Like I had a friend who said like, like you, this is the way I always pictured you looking. And so like really me know that like they didn't approve and were judging my body before, which again, like contributes to that fear and anxiety so much of if I, if I'm not able to keep this up, I'm going to go back to that place of not feeling desirable and things like that the anxiety and the feeling not good enough and feeling, you know, that I had to keep working so hard being the central focus of my entire life, like my entire life at that point, after I'd lost the weight was about what am I needing? What am I eating? How much working out am I doing? What am I doing to keep the weight off? So sort of freedom that I was looking for the way that I wanted to feel about my body did not come from changing my body. It came from changing my mind. It came from doing the work 
of understanding the impacts of diet culture, of understanding how to talk to myself, of understanding how to accept exactly what we talked about, right? Accepted that I am not a, a toy chihuahua, <laughs> that body does feel good with a little bit of extra weight and that's okay. And also even being able to accept, which I'm sure we'll talk in about of like, during the last two years of like intense COVID stress of being a brick and mortar studio owner that's had to go through lockdown after lockdown, I'm back at my heaviest weight that I've ever been and not feeling like a failure. Intense urge to lose the weight again of just being at a place of peace and saying, this is what my body needs right now. And that's okay. My body is designed to change. It was only from doing that work that I finally found the confidence to wear whatever I want, <laughs> the confidence to know that my worth is not dependent on my weight, that my uh, deservingness to feel loved. I'm now married to a man who at any size makes me feel beautiful and enough. And, and I know that he's not married to me because of my body, married to me for all the other reasons that I show up. So that's what the work that we do is about is, is you can want to feel better in your body. You can want to have goals that relate to your physical abilities or your, or, you know, wanting to improve yourself, but that can all be separate from the aesthetics, the self-worth, and we can look at movement and we can look at our relationship with food love ourselves as a way to choose self-love rather than, and choose also the world, as we talked about, also the world that we want to create rather than choosing to punish ourselves, choosing to reinforce the outdated ideals and outdated standards and outdated ideas of even like what a woman is supposed to be. Like I'm more, <laughs> I am body. I want to be seen for my mind and what I contribute and the legacy that I leave behind not the size that's on my pants. So question, it wasn't through the weight loss that I ever found what I was looking for. It was through doing the work to, to reconnect diet culture and, and heal in a lot of new ways. Okay. So when did you get to that point where you're like, okay, I have been on the hamster wheel doing the thing feeling, you know, um, validated, gaining the weight, doing the thing over and over again. When did you finally come to a point where you're like, it's something else it's, it's connected to my mind or what I'm doing is not working. It's gotta be something else. When was that? Um, I don't know, epiphany or the seed planted or <laughs> when, when yeah. was that shift in yourself? Yeah. And I will say, like, I wish I could tell you that it was like a single, like come to God moment where I was like, ah, I understand now it wasn't, it was definitely process over time. Um, but a few like key kind of moments that definitely changed the trajectory of my journey was started teaching fitness. So I fell in love with Zumba and I had a great woman who really encouraged me to pursue it. And I, um, it, it really changed my relationship with fitness of, of being a safe space where it was about just moving my connecting with other women and feeling really good and sexy and playful. Um, so I really wanted to, to bring that 
experience other women. So I started working in the fitness industry and it was a really, um, you know, groundbreaking thing to connect with all these other women who were experiencing the same struggle. I think that that's another thing that diet culture really does is it, is it makes you feel alone. It isolates you and makes you feel abnormal in your soul when you're able to open up and have these conversations and realize like, it is not you, (laughs) it is not just you. Like every woman who, who grows up in our society struggles with so many of the same things and doing that in the and, and kind of like being awoken as an employee of a lot of big gyms of watching the toxicity and especially energy that was really not, um, not cognizant of the for like non-male bodies and especially like non-male cis-identifying like white. So understanding that like women who are in their sixties have different needs than a 20 year old man, women who have injuries or who are postpartum or like all these things, non-binary people, trans people, like those all matter and play into the experience and shouldn't be a one size fits all. So that's where I originally said to myself, you know, I want to where everything is done differently. And we're really geared towards like a different approach to fitness. And there was a really powerful moment when I recognized and started investigating the the body positive and anti-diet approach because I got called out from one of my clients. It was a woman in a larger body who had come to one of my classes and all of a sudden she disappeared. She stopped coming. And when I reached out, she said, I'm not coming because of something that you said. And it was like a comment in passing that I had said about, I think something around like, you know, tank top arm like that. And in my mind, I meant it one way. Um, but recognize the power in that moment was the role played in perpetuating the negative experiences in our bodies being like, I never want anyone to walk away from my classes feeling like they don't deserve to be there and that they don't, that they aren't worthy of feeling good in their bodies. So that led me to kind of going down the rabbit hole of really educating myself about what it meant to actually be body positive, not what we often see in the fitness industry, which is like body is welcome, but there's still such diet stigma, sorry, diet culture and weight stigma and fat phobia. So I had to challenge my own internal beliefs. And that's what led me to really doing the work for myself so that then I understand how life-changing it could be and being able to teach other people how to similarly go through that, that process. And it's like a work in progress. Like I, I always say, I never want to hold myself up and being like, look at me, I've got it figured out. I, I love my body. Every, every day is like, great. It's definitely not the case. I always describe it as like, we're on a marathon, not on a sprint. <laughs> yes. Through different phases where like, you think you have it all figured out. And then you get pregnant or you get sick or, you know, something changes in your body and you got to go, Oh, this is new. I gotta, (laughs) I gotta reevaluate. I've got more to learn, more to unpack. Um, but just being able to, from my own firsthand experience, say that like, it is, it is possible to feel the way that you want to feel in your body. It is possible to have a different, 
uh, baseline of worth, and it is possible to exist through a definition that you created for mm-hmm. success, for health, for, for fitness, for weight loss, for all of it. Like you can step back um, those expectations and standards that are like set for you and, and imposed on you and taught to you, you can question, you can say, you know what, this doesn't fit for me. This doesn't feel good. I get to choose something out. And that's what we work on is, is really empowering our members to, to be able to make that decision for themselves. Wow. It's like, you just open up a whole realm of possibility. Like, oh my gosh, I, I can choose what's best for me. I can decide. I don't have to, um, um, look out into society to tell me what's going to work for me. Like that kind of came up when you were going through all this. I'm like, Oh, this thing like pissed me off. Okay. So I had, um, my little guy, I was pregnant, right? Your body changes pregnant. Um, and so then after I had him, I think I gained about 40 pounds and my, it was like all belly and cute. And then I had him. And I think the day that I had him, I lost like 30 pounds. And I was like, oh my gosh, I only have 10 pounds to lose. Like, this is going to be amazing. And, and then everything else that, you know, stress, loss of sleep, shitty appetite, like, um, everything else played into it. It took me about two years to like, maybe shed that 10 pounds, like to actually feel good in my body. But during that time, all of a sudden in the magazines, like I was like, oh, I was just fired up. It's like, Ooh, the sexy new thing is the the dad bod. And I was like, okay. So the dad didn't carry the child and gain 40 pounds or whatever, however many pounds you gained. The dad didn't give birth and have their body completely change. But now we're saying, oh, if you have a little tummy and you're a dad, like that's sexy. And here's all of us moms there being like, I just like birthed and like brought this miracle of life to the world and my body's change. And it's, I'm not going back to like the previous body or, or maybe could get close to or whatever. And, but it's not happening overnight. And it's like years down the road and nobody's saying like, Ooh, the mom bought is sex. Like you did sexy. You just had a baby. Like it's, it's sexy. If a mom has a little tummy and is running around in the beach with her little one, it's like, <laughs> I, I was just like, what in the world is happening here? Like, yeah, and I missed out on so many opportunities. Like now I'm in such a better place, but through my whole life, like, you know, I was like thinish growing up, but never to like the ideals of society. So it was like, I missed out on so many things in life because I was like, my physical body wasn't up to standard or par or what I thought it should be. So, yeah. And that's the second diet culture, right? Is, is the primary message that we receive as women growing up is that nothing matters, right? You could be a Nobel prize winner, but if you aren't bangable, right, it doesn't matter. Nobody, nobody cares unless you are seen and deemed to be physically desirable. And I think about what I want for myself or even what I want for my future children, or even like what makes me excited to get up in the morning. 
legacy, like what I want to do with my life. I promise you that I don't want to look back and say, oh, well, I had a flat stomach for most of my No, like in the same thing, like you want to look back with your children and be like, I made memories. I showed up. I was present. I was there. But it it has to start with rejecting that set of expectations for yourself because as long as we're trying to, right? As long as we're trying to say like, I can be a good mom and lose weight and be a good mom and be physically desirable, it sets us up for failure because again, we're constantly a linkage to our self-worth and our definition of success to what our bodies look like. And we can take that power back to know what let's really sit and think about let's list out the top 10 things I would describe as being a good mom. And even the idea of like understanding, I always say um, we work a lot with postpartum and prenatal. <laughs> There's, thing. Once you're postpartum, you are postpartum for life. There's no such thing as getting that body back because you've birthed, you've created a human life or had a birthing experience with that child. So if, if you try to get back to a body, so that means, that means that that child couldn't exist, right? So let's stop creating this unrealistic expectation that we can erase. We have to create a space for accepting and discovering what our body can do, which can be such a better use of your time than trying to change it. Okay. So now shifting gears to like the body, body, body positivity. So it, it <laughs> took us a long way to get where we are. It's been a long time yes. in the making. So what do you think it's going to take to start shifting the narrative so that we are a more boss body positive, um, culture place to live. Yeah. I think one conversations like these is the best place to start is building an awareness of starting to ask questions and start challenging things that so many of us accept as normal or just status quo about it. The more that we can share our experiences, I always say that shame exists in the darkness that so many of us can feel so much better about the things that we experience by shining a light on it. And we do that by talking about it and sharing with one. another. So don't be afraid to have conversations. I know something I encourage with clients talk to, especially if you had a lot of these messages come to you from the same sex parent or your mom or some female figure in your life talk to them about their experiences because it can create so much room for compassion, right? Of like this body positive movement is new, right? It's newer. We get the benefit in this generation of being open to so many activists and conversations that are happening and research that is happening to break down those, those older systems. Our mothers, our grandmothers benefit. So talk to them about the lived experiences, understand what they went through And that can open up so many doors to building connections with each other, to healing, to being able to make intentional choices moving forward, rather than just perpetuate the generational trauma, the generational death, and being able to want something more for ourselves. So I think that's the first. And I think, honestly, it's going to happen every woman that does this work, every single woman that commits to choosing a different relationship body and commits to 
choosing love is changing the world because it's going to change how she shows up with her. She interacts with her friends. It's going to change how she takes up space. That's a huge thing. When you feel confident in your body and that doesn't, it is not dependent on how it looks. When you feel confident in your body and know your worth, you're going to take up space. You're going to step into positions of power, whatever that means. You're going to be present in the community. You're going to have your voice heard. And that's how we influence the bigger systems, right? That's how we start to change policies or change programs or change laws is when we show up. Mm, So, so true. That ripple effect. If, you know, one person starts to um, embody like their, their body and just, you know, kind of let go of some of the like peel back the onion, let go of the shame and the stories and everything, then that exactly, like you said, the way that they show up gives for other permission for other people to show up the way that they talk about body, um, can transform the world. So I think you, you are right in that. It's like one person having the conversations that that's going to change things. So, well, with myself, it's understanding the biases that we have, understanding the way that fat phobia shows up and how we engage with other people and that, you know, the more that we can find compassion for ourselves, the more that we can be accepting and loving and compassionate towards other people and bodies need to feel good too. Mm-hmm. Okay. So you worked at a studio, um, but now you have your own. So how did that kind of come about? Yeah, I was in 2018, just before the pandemic. <laughs> um, you know, it's where I, you know, I'm in the industry, as I said, I really wanted to prove that there was a different way. I, like from the ground up, it wasn't it wasn't me to just exist and have a space space within a larger um, kind of toxic organization. I wanted to prove that I could from the ground up. So that's when I opened Layopo and, um, you know, to tie it in what we talked about in the opening is, is where I'm really excited for the next evolution, because, you know, as I mentioned, COVID was hard on brick and mortar studios. We were closed a lot. And we saw when we, when we transitioned to the virtual space, you know, it, opportunities for us to really meet our members where they're at and begin offering a deeper level of service in order to get them the results they wanted, which was, as we've talked about, feeling better in their bodies. So, you know, it opened up space to be able to, talking about postpartum, right? The virtual opens up a lot of flexibility for you to work out with baby, for you to not worry about care, for you to, you know, uh, start a video, hit pause, do what you need to do, come back to it when able to. Um, and plus it opened up the ability to, to do a lot more coaching and programs where our members really connect with each other and hear each other's stories in a way that didn't always exist in a fitness class format alone. Um, so for myself, like many, people, I'm sure the pandemic caused us to question, right? It caused us to sit back and reflect priorities and reflect on what mattered to us in our lives and, you know, really. So for me, um, my husband and I have been 
renovating a cabin existed in the family for about four years. And we just kept falling more and more in love with the land. And it made me realize for my own mental health that the bubble that I was trying to force myself to exist in when it came to, you know, I'd done the work with my body, but now it was like the broader definition of success. You know, what sort of lifestyle do I want to live? How do I want to spend my time and spend my money? And, um, you know, I always look at like, what hard do I want to choose? <laughs> we always think of it as like hard versus easy. And I'm like, no, no, every choice has a hard <laughs> aspect to it. It's like hard. What problems do you enjoy solving rather than trying to build a life that's problem free? you got to choose a life that filled with problems you love. Um, so that's why we decided to move things to a fully virtual. It was working really well. It allowed me the opportunity to connect with women all over the globe, to spread this message further, to have a larger impact in a way that worked better for the women themselves. And, you know, we've just created a new uh, type of membership that actually is meant to complement. If you, if you're like, yeah, but I still like, great. We'll teach you the skills of how to have that healthy relationship with your body so that you get the most out of those fitness experiences. And again, since there's so few gyms and fitness clubs that teach what we teach and have a body approach, it means that you can still be doing that sort of work while experiencing your in-person, you know, exercise. So we've made the decision to close the brick and mortar, focus solely on the virtual community and move into the woods so that I can, again, lean into that message of choosing what works for me, of choosing a more intentional life, of choosing a slower life that allows me to really connect with the land in a way, to connect with my own consumption habits in a new way, and to choose mine with, again, I think it's so important, the world that I want to make and the world that I want to pass down to my kids. <laughs> yes. Wow. That is incredible. So I'm assuming at this like, um, cabin in the woods, there's a, a Wi-Fi connection where you can. Yeah. So, well, that's what we're working on. It's actually in progress. So the, the big move is happening in two weeks and installation date next week for, for the fiber optic internet. <laughs> so nice. I've got some, I'm like, I'm like semi off the grid. <laughs> okay. I'm, I'm, I'm on the digital grid. <laughs> you're on the digital grid. So you're kind of getting out. And so well, I guess it's, it's a new chapter, right? Like this is the um, chapter for now. You're kind of going to just connect with the land and do what you love and offer this. I think that is a blessing that did come through COVID is uh-huh. the, the digital world kind of opened up in really surprising and unexpected ways for so many people that never would have thought it possible. I mean, even with uh-huh. this podcast, before COVID was, um, a thing, I never, I would have been like, oh my gosh, I'm going to have to get a studio space and I'm going to have to fly people in and I'm going to have to get all this equipment. And, and then it was like, oh, oh, I can do a podcast. I have a computer. I have a little makeshift office in my home. Like I've connected with people all around the world. So I think that's so cool that your community that it's virtual that there are people all around the world that, that need this, that Uh need what you are offering, that they don't have to be in a physical space. They can connect, feel the energy 
um, dive right in and be exactly where they need to be to create a space of loving their body. And before we got on the call, I had to ask you, what does <laughs> lo yo bo mean? Cause I didn't even know how to say it. So yeah. yes. So do you want to so talk? It stands, about- it stands for love your body. And, um, you know, it's fun as, you know, any entrepreneurs or anybody who's came up, come up with any sort of creative name for themselves. It's tough. It's tough to come up with something original. So I was definitely a lovely bottle of wine and just like brainstorming. And a big part of it too was, you know, I struggled with choosing quote unquote, like real words, like established actual English words, you know, it really opens it up to a predefined definition right. Of like the words have associated meanings or what have you. And what I about mashing it together and creating our own is that's the whole point. Loyobo, the goal is to love your body, but how people perceive the word, how people pronounce the word, what you think of it, it is about defining it for yourself. And, you know, as we said, shaking things up, it's about asking those questions. It's about challenging the norm. It's about not just what's given to you, but recognizing that you, you deserve more in your life. So I think that I, I love the playful name. I love watching and I try to pronounce it. I think it's hilarious. So <laughs> it's really about breaking down those barriers. We don't, you know, this is serious work, but it doesn't have to feel it. You know, we have a lot of fun and uh, there's a lot of laughter and it is incredible, you know, with the pandemic. I remember when we, online, I said to, you know, our team, I was like, how are we going to do this? Like how, you know, the community is, is such a huge part of what we do. Like, how is this going to, how can we recreate this feeling? And like, is that even going to be possible? And I, you know, and, you know, I will say that it's so incredible watch, watching the connections that can be made and the memories and the way that people can relate to one another and share those experiences. It's so powerful. And, you know, in person is always going to have a special place in my heart, but yeah, being able to see yourself mirrored and relate to people who are across the world and, and the power of recognizing how not alone you are. It's pretty, it's pretty amazing. (laughs) All of it is amazing. I love what you're doing. I love how you're changing the conversation, changing the perspective and how you're starting like this ripple. That's just going to be so give women power to take back how they view themselves and their body. Uh So, wow. It's just all so incredible. So where can anybody who is feeling like I want to be a part of this community, I want to move my body in a fun way. I want to love my body. Maybe I already love my body, but I just want to like get in on this energy and be a part of this Uh like movement that you are creating. Like, how can they connect with you? Um, join a class, maybe get some coaching. Where can they find you? Yeah. So our website is loyobofit.com. So L-O-Y-O-B-O-F-I-T.com. And especially if you go to loyobofit.com slash love your size, a great way to start doing this work and to take that first step. We have a guide that's all about how to embrace your body for what it is now, rather than planning to love the body that you want. So that's a great way. It's got all my best tips for how to start 
you know, feeling more at peace in your own skin without needing to change anything. Um, so you can download that. All your listeners can download that for free, but we're also big on Instagram. So our handle is at Loya Buffett. Come and follow us. I'm putting out tons of content that, you know, again, with helpful tips, with movement ideas for, uh, you know, just motivation and encouragement and content that really, again, is meant to be a, po- a source of positivity on your feed. So come, come follow us and, and join, join the gang. <laughs> oh my gosh. I love it all. And I just love how you just like hit the nail on the head at the end with learning to love your body now. You, you don't have to wait no matter mm-hmm. where you're at in your journey, because that is really where it's at. Why wait until you, you know, get a certain size or a certain number on the scale, fit clothes a certain way. Why wait? Like you really are missing out if you aren't loving your body now and appreciating yeah. what it's doing for you right in this moment where you're at. So I think that's a perfect place to, <laughs> to leave off. So thank you everyone for being here. If you, if there's something that really stuck out and you're like, oh my gosh, this changed the way that I'm thinking, this is something I needed to hear. Definitely tag us both on IG in the stories or send us a, a DM and let us know, like, what is your biggest takeaway? Because this is a conversation that definitely needs to keep growing and expanding. Uh-huh. So Thank you again for being here. This was an absolute pleasure. Thanks so much, Candace. Thank you for joining me on today's episode of All Things Relatable. If you know someone that would relate to this episode and get value from it, please pass it along. Also, if this episode resonated with you, I would love for you to rate, review, and subscribe.